to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. You drink one drink, two drink, three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blinking, those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. Welcome to Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. It's Anthony and Glenn, and we are back to talk more Saul, season six, episodes 11 and 12. We are now one episode remaining for Better Call Saul. I can't even believe that we've actually reached it, uh, that we're actually here at this point. Um, I do feel a little bit of pride because I think this is the first podcast we've ever had on Cinema Geekly where we started a show with season one of episode one and have run it all the way through to the conclusion of the show. Because uh, that didn't happen with a lot of those CW DC shows, Glenn. We never made it to the oh, end of any of oh. those shows. Um, well, there's only one left, right? The Flash? Isn't this like the final season? Yeah, and then that's canceled as well, I believe. Uh, presumably, uh, so they can uh, hurley uh, CGI Grant Gustin into that Flash movie and get rid of Ezra Miller because he just keeps breaking laws, Glenn. Um, he should be on this show, actually. He'd, he'd fit in better here. Um, but anyway, uh, we probably should just get into this because we got, honestly, way more interesting stuff to talk about than, yes, we do. than that craziness. So let's begin with season six, episode 11, Breaking Bad. Uh, it did not disappoint because we did get to see Walter White and Jesse Pinkman in this episode, although it was not in the way that I think either of us were thinking it was going to be. Uh, in fact, it was almost... I almost feel bad that we didn't realize it off the off the get go that on a Vince Gilligan show they would bring back these characters and I think we were thinking like oh will they show us like the aftermath of like Walt dying or like the moments you know leading up like right up to those moments and the stuff that happened after oh no 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 it was it was in 2008 and it was uh, the first encounter, like their first encounter, and like that was it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't know if it. You know, we just didn't know timeline wise or it was going to fit. Yes, I. It makes a lot of sense in hindsight that what they chose because it's like, oh yeah, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess we never got to see the drive back. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Which is always like a funny thing in like movies and TV. Yeah, right? they always skip that. Right? I have something to tell you, and then we get to a location, and they tell them, and it's like, I wonder what happened in the yeah in the transportation phase. Well, we got we got the answer to, <laughs> we got to the that. Answer. In we sure did. So in flashbacks to 2008 in Albuquerque, Saul takes on Walter White and Jesse Pinkman as clients. 
deducing the former to be the famed Heisenberg, the chemist behind the high-purity blue methamphetamine being sold on the streets of Albuquerque. Mike informs Saul that Walt has terminal lung cancer and cautions him against helping Walt out, but Saul nonetheless decides to visit Walt at the high school where he teaches to propose a partnership because where uh, Mike sees a big risk, Saul sees, I mean, the same risk, but he sees the opportunity side of it as opposed uh, to the, you know, the, the risk portion of it. Uh, in 2010, Cinnabon Jean calls Francesca and tells him that the FBI, she tells him that the FBI has seized most of Saul's assets and that Kim once called asking about Jimmy. Jean then attempts to reach out to Kim in Florida, but the call emotionally upsets him for unknown reasons. He then enlists Jeff and Buddy for a new con in which Jean gets their mark drunk jeff drives them home while giving him water or giving them water laced with barbiturates and buddy enters the home to photograph the unconscious marks ids credit cards and financial records to then sell for profit after a um, after a string of successful cons their latest target reveals that he has cancer which causes buddy to back out of the robbery gene fires him and forces jeff to drive him to the man's home where he breaks in and literally breaks in uh, by smashing the window. So that is where we left off for episode 11. What did you think of the Breaking Bad episode of Better Call Saul? I loved it, right? I mean, it was just mm-hmm. so fun to see the three of them together again. It was really great. Uh, they didn't like, try any weird was- Disney no. de-aging of... <laughs> <laughs> no, just put hoodies on them. Yep, they're fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, Jesse was looking a, a little old. <laughs> he was definitely looking older than he looked in the 2008 oh, yeah, episode. Yeah, I mean, like, he's 40 now. Yeah, I know, you know I know. In his 40s. I know, so but, it's you know, so weird. It but, I don't know, it didn't really bother me at all, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they slipped right back into those characters. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, the blue, this, that. It's like, oh, you make all this here. And, mm-hmm. like, and uh, Walt was very protective of all of his equipment and the the secret of nature. And everything. like, yeah, it was just uh, it was like a warm blanket going back to all yeah, of that. Yeah. Loved it. And then I guess back to the con, you know, he's just. Mm-hmm. doing this thing and then yeah you get the well the one guy they teased us with this phone call with kim and mm-hmm. i am glad now that we're doubling up on the episode here because i would have this would have consumed me for a whole week had uh i watched the uh well and and having to talk about it not knowing what happens afterwards but they follow Jimmy on the phone call to Kim up until the point where she picks up the phone. And then like an asshole, they cut to like a camera on the other side of the road and there's just traffic going by and you see him like, you know, yelling or like uh, clearly there's some sort of heated conversation happening and we don't get to hear anything. And I'm like, ah, I mean, that's so smart, but what a dick. Uh, I mean, because that's like, that's what I want to know. Like, I want to know what's happening here. Um, they did an excellent job of just 
you know, making you want to know. And of course, you know, we'll talk about it in the next episode, but immediately in the next episode, they, um, reveal what happens, but yeah, uh, clearly after that phone call, uh, I mean, we've been seeing him slowly fall down this rabbit hole, right? He's, uh, he he was good, but he's addicted to conning people. He's really good at it, and there's the rush. I mean, obviously, that's what happened with Kim as well. Like, they just got good at it, and there is a, a feeling of getting away with something, and he's just addicted to that feeling, and he was so good about staying away from it for so long, but he had to do something here because otherwise that cab driver would have recognized him and gave him away or whatever. And he needed to cover his tracks and he ran this con and it went, you know, it was going smooth. And then, you know, something exhilarating happens. Like it almost blows up in his face, but then they succeed and he couldn't quite shake it at the end. And then he calls Francesca here and she tells him that the FBI has taken like everything. Like there's no Saul Goodman left. All of his stuff was taken. Any of the money, like she had to give them all this money, uh, all of this stuff. Like there's the accounts. No- yeah, the accounts, all of it. Like there's nothing left. And then, you know, clearly he's down. He calls Kim and find out that Yule made it out of the safe house. Yeah, we do get to <laughs> follow up. I mean, asking the real questions. Uh, thanks Cinnabon Jean. Like I needed, I mean, we did need to know if Huel was okay and he's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, he would have asked those, right? I mean, he would have asked a hundred percent and it's good to know that Huel's living his best Huel life. Um, get trapped in that FBI house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so (laughs) he, I mean, maybe he was there for a couple of years before he got out, but, uh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, but obviously he calls Kim as a desperation move. And um, it's hard to talk about this without talking about what, you know, we get to hear the conversation, but basically the end result of the conversation is not good. And he's somebody who's just like, I got nothing left. So let's just, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just start conning again. And he just just started doing it just because he liked doing it. And they ran this con and, uh, you know, the the slide downward was really evident uh, that this was not going to end well for him. And uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to. Errol Burnett's kind of figuring some stuff out. Yes, yes, yes. Because. Yeah, because there's uh, some late night conversations going on in her garage or whatever, and there's some raised voices, and uh, she seems a little concerned. Yeah. Oh, man. If uh, the once great Saul Goodman is brought down by Carol Burnett, Glenn, what? I mean, could you have ever pictured that <laughs> happening in this show? Uh, like, that's the potential downfall for this character. I mean, I guess it's she's not playing Carol Burnett. Oh, it's but, funny, right? Because yeah. this oh, he starts off the show in his law career mm-hmm. ripping off old ladies. Yes. Oh, and guess who's the one that's going to take him down? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, 
So, any other thoughts on episode 11? No, no. Like, you, it, it, there's not a lot to talk about, but like you said, it was just... No. It was fun. This was a great setup episode. Yeah, great setup. Uh, so, yeah, it's an episode, you know, probably a four and a quarter, four and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, by I my heart, it. just to be in seeing both of them, you know, it's a five. Yeah, I, I went I went four and a half for the setup episode, but oh, it was so good to see both of those guys again. And um, you and I have talked um, off and on about when this show ends. Do we go back and do a rewatch of Breaking Bad and seeing them here like it totally like renewed my interest in wanting to do that. So we'll probably yeah, have well, to you know, it's been that. like 10 years since a. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever the show ended was yeah. the last time I've, I've seen it. So it's a lot of like, like him going to the school. I'm like, did, mm-hmm. did we get a scene of him talking to him at the school? I want to say yes, but it's like, yeah. you know, you're, so you're at the point where you're trying to fill in some pieces and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not quite sharp anymore because it's been so long. So yeah, totally. I'd love to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, okay. So let's talk about the penultimate episode then of, Better Call Saul, uh, season six, episode 12, Waterworks. And there were waterworks in this episode. Um, yes, there were. And it was... Some artificial and some real. Yeah, and it was sad as well, but not in the way that I thought it was going to be sad. Um, so we get flash in a flashback, which it's hard to describe them in the terms of this show because there are flashbacks and flash forwards. Yeah. Uh, all flashbacks are in color, color, color in yes. color. Yes. Just say that. So in a flashback, Kim meets with Saul in his office to finalize their divorce. And she has an encounter with Jesse Pinkman outside of his office, which we should, we will touch on a little bit later. Cause they did have kind of a sort of a long sort of conversation. I will, we'll, we'll We'll, we'll touch on it because I think that sentence, um, that whole sentence glosses over some really important details. But uh, in 2010, we catch up with Kim uh, just living her life in Florida. Mundane, boring. Yes. They, they blow go. Oh, my brain's out life. They go out of their way to make it as dull as humanly possible. Uh, to kind of Even contrast like the, the sex and oh yeah, I mean it was yeah, yeah it was they painted a picture. They yeah. absolutely wanted to make a contrast between what her life was and what it is now. Um, and she gets a call from Jean while working in, in Florida at her sprinkler manufacturer job, where she uh, eventually asks him to turn himself in and hangs up when he refuses. But during the call. He is asking her why she never, you know, why don't you turn yourself in for the things that, you you know, you've done or whatever. And a guilt ridden Kim travels back to Albuquerque and goes to Howard's widow and provides her with a hand. Well, not a handwritten, but a written confession explaining her and Jimmy's destruction of his image and the circumstances of his death. And then has an emotional breakdown on a bus after shuttle bus on a shuttle bus. Yes. After leaving, um, Gene narrowly escapes the cancer stricken man's house that he broke into at the end of the last episode. After he wakes up, Jeff 
is arrested and blamed for the burglary after he panics and runs into another car when a police car was idling behind him. This forces Gene to enlist his mom Marion's help to get him out on bail. But Marion is suspicious of Gene and uses the new computer that Jeff bought her with the department store heist money to search for Gene's true identity on AskJeeves.com and calls the authorities with her life alert button when Gene tries to intimidate her, forcing him to flee. What did you think of episode 12? There's a lot to unpack in here. I there think is. that wasn't uh, in these paragraphs. First two things. I'm just going to get that score out of the way. This, this was a five. I love yeah. this episode. Um, second thing. <laughs> I didn't know you could do a time capsule for 2010, <laughs> um, but damn. There's a lot of it in here. <laughs> there is. I think I saw a um, Motorola Razor phone. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, the life alert. Um, <laughs> her, you know, that laptop that she unplugged of, her phone to, you yeah, know, the weird yeah. thing is using your landline, you know, not yeah. like a dial up modem thing, but just using your straight up landline for it. You know, it's just, that was great. Plugging her laptop directly into it. Yes. And ask Jeeves, of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that, yes, that amazing. was only 12 years ago. Was that really, were those really things that still like all that Life stuff feels commercials were definitely a thing too. Oh, for sure. But like plugging your f- phone into your computer, were people still doing that 12 I years think, ago? Well, I just think cause she's older, Old. right? So yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah. have like, so that is her only internet connection. Yeah. Maybe she know? has LAN or whatever that, uh, what was that internet? That wasn't, I'm not, maybe I'm not thinking of LAN. Um, but there was like, uh, internet that wasn't like cable internet or whatever. Um, I forget what it was, but anyway, Glenn, unimportant. Yeah. So it's just like that. So we'll go all the way back to the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's him. Uh, they're having their conversation about the papers. And what does Jimmy do whenever he's hurt? He deflects, he mocks. Treats you know, it like so it's no big all, deal. Yeah. So these are things that like <clears throat> we've seen him do in Breaking Bad, which is why I do want to go back because now it's, we know more of his personality and so his it's character trait. We, yeah. Yeah. We can figure out, you know, maybe, you know, how we, when he's being defensive and this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. you know, so definitely more fun. insight. Uh, the fact that the f- columns are just styrofoam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it is, right? It's just this facade of everything. And, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, and, she is the exact opposite. Yeah. It's almost like she doesn't want to sign these papers. Like she truly loves him. Truly didn't want to leave, but also she knows truly, that she has to. Yep. Truly believed that she had to because it was just bad for themselves and everybody else around them. And, uh, you know, he's just trying to play it off. Like, you know, have a great life or whatever, you know, all the things that you regret upon reflection later on, uh, he does all those things right there, you know, and then she goes outside and then there's the, uh, it almost felt weird that, cause it almost felt like the, not a Vince Gilligan thing to do. Um, cause there were bits and pieces of it that kind of felt like, you know, look, we're showing a character from this show interacting with a character from another show. They've never met each other before, but they're doing it here. 
you know, that sort of thing. But it was so mundane that it was perfectly the show, perfectly Vince Gilligan, like writing and directing. And, um, you know, she meets Jesse and of course, Jesse recognizes her because she's a lawyer and a lot of his friends get in trouble. And, uh, you know, she represented one of his friends when he stole like a baby Jesus from a nativity set or whatever. Yeah, he and, stole a nativity scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I don't even know what he wanted with that thing. Um, but basically, uh, and they did kind of do what I thought would what would happen, which is, you know, he's he's going to ask her if this Goodman guy is good or whatever. And she's going to more or less be like, yeah, uh, essentially. Uh, but they just sort of stand there awkwardly and sort of, and it's mostly Jesse doing the talking, but it was so like, it was not some big revelatory moment or anything like that. Uh, it was, I think as it should be, if you're going to have two characters from two different shows who never met before, uh, meet one another, uh, it happened with the two people. It would kind of make the most sense with, and done in a, the least celebratory way I can think well, of. It's also the two people who didn't revel in the crime that they were doing. Yes, to, yes. You know, right? They are both the the supporting characters to these egomaniacs mm-hmm. as well. So you're kind of getting a moment of them together. Yeah. Um, you know, not unknowingly kind of sharing that moment. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Jesse's question, it's more of like you know, this is kind of the path I'm on. This is going to kind of help me. And it's not like she gives him the best endorsement, you know, Yeah. either. It's just, well, and I knew him, he was good, Yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, that, that's what I liked about that moment of them sharing it. Cause it is yeah. like the two that we're assuming kind of get out. I mean, yeah. as you said, you know, she turns in an affidavit. Uh, she talks to, uh, Howard's widowed wife, and she just tough scene has to, get to hear well. the most ludicrous scenario. You Unbelievable story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because she's right though. Uh, yeah. When when she's like, "Are you gonna, you know, you're gonna go to jail? Like, what are you gonna, you know?" And she's like, yeah, "Honestly, I don't know." Yeah, yeah, because it's such a ridiculous story. Like, they might not believe it, and there's no evidence. Yeah, of, never going to find the body. No, they're never going to find the body, and nobody knows. All these parties are dead, you know. Yeah, yeah there's no witnesses Gus. left. Yeah. yeah, 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 so she might not. And, um, like, that scene was that scene was difficult to get through, And I, but I love the way there was not... I love the way they did it. I, I'm happy there was no, like that they decided they were going to do this. There was no scene where Kim has to give this emotional speech or whatever. It's a handwritten or not handwritten. I said that before, but it's a written confession of everything that happened. And they show, you know, uh, his wife, his widow reading it. And then every now and again, they'll just do the, like these extreme close-ups on the pertinent words or sentences or whatever sort of, you know, we're following along with her or whatever. I thought that was really great. And that scene was tough. Uh, honestly, the hardest scene for me was her on the, on the shuttle bus. That was very difficult for me to, for me personally, that was super tough to watch. Like I, um, 
I kind of know what that's like. I mean, not because I uh, committed fraud and caused the death of somebody and the guilt was eating me alive, but like, I just know that feeling and what, like, I know Rhea Seahorn's already been uh, nominated for Emmys or whatever, but holy shit, she's fantastic. And uh, as somebody who has struggled to keep emotion in before, uh, she nailed it. Uh, she did a really good slash uncomfortable job of breaking down in public and n- really not wanting to. And the the genius, brilliant touch of this was you just get like one hand coming from like off camera to like put on her arm, like some good Samaritan or whatever who doesn't know her situation or her circumstances or whatever, just feels bad for this person who's like melting down yeah. in public. And I thought that was a great little touch, but holy shit, that was difficult to watch. Um, but it makes perfect sense. Like all of this uh, weight, letting go of all of the stuff, um, but also sort of maybe facing the potential of what could happen to her. Um, obviously, all the stuff with Cinnabon Jean in the, uh, you know, in that guy's house, like that was like, you know, not peak, uh, better call Saul tension or whatever. Uh, but you know, it was like something went awry and you got to get out of it. The The real guys just arguing about fish tacos. That's the real key. And that's, and that's the whole, you know, he ruins this whole, it ruins this whole thing. Like the guys in the cop car, you know, they're not, you know, Jeff is not thinking clearly like he's nervous. He's like, clearly he's like the cops know what we're doing. They're onto us or whatever, but they're sitting there. They're just idle. There's no lights on. And he's not thinking like I'm in a taxi cab. It looks like a taxi cab. I'm in a cab cabs wait outside of homes for people all the time. There's literally nothing suspicious about this really. And, uh, but he's not thinking it through. He's panicking and then they cut to the cops and you get this like three minutes of them complain. This one guy complaining about his fish taco, like the piece of fish, like it's barely bigger than my finger. Like this is a ripoff or whatever. And they're just going on when about it. <laughs> yeah. Joking about how mad he is. And, uh, then the next thing you see is just Jeff's cab, like, ta- like take off, uh, like out of control, clearly panicking, like swerving, swerving, sharp left right into the back of a pickup truck. And uh, like, oh my God, of course, it's something like this. And it's like just this. the cops, just their look of like, well, <laughs> I guess our lunch is up. <laughs> yeah, this is the job, I guess. Uh, and then they go and arrest the guy or whatever. And, you know, of course, um, I feel like, Marion uh, phone call of him just being like, and the guy comes running out. There's evidence of a break of a B and E. Yeah. 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 It's like, but you know, of course Saul's like, well, you don't have anything on you from his house. Right. It's like, you know, there's no proof. There's no fingerprints. There's like nothing that it's, you know, you, they can't hold you or whatever. I will say the only, the only thing that made me kind of like, cock my head a little bit and wonder is I feel like maybe Marion 
sussed out Jean a little too easily. Now, maybe we can make the point that she was a little bit suspicious from the one of the episodes prior, right? Where there was all the commotion yeah. going on in the, um, you know, but like, you know, to like that level, because they sort of treat it. Like, um, you know, she's talking about how her, her son got in trouble before in Albuquerque and there were these bail bondsmen and all of this other stuff. And, you know, Gene's telling her like, oh, no, yeah, but not he's the- not talking to her with the tone he has. Yeah. You know, before. I mean, mm-hmm. he sounds like himself talking to her in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. He sounds a little more like Saul than he does. Uh, and it just again how much he's knowing about the law like I, mm-hmm. I i get it yeah you know and like it wasn't like she searched up any you know she just said con man albuquerque you know it wasn't yeah. like she was this major sleuth that had to go through sure. pages yeah uh and uh so gene meets marion at her house because they're like you know we're gonna go bail out your son but he finds her on her laptop transfixed because Ask Jeeves has pointed her in the direction of commercials for Saul Goodman. And, of course, uh, you I, you kind of called it, Glenn. Uh, they, we were talking about, like, the red coat thing from, like, Schindler's List or whatever. They did kind of do it here at least a little bit. Because you see the reflection of the commercial in Gene's yeah. eyeglasses. And, of course, the commercials are in color. And you don't get, you can't really see the commercial. It's kind of a blurry reflection, but they're in color. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. What a great, what a great shot. Um, and that's so good. And obviously she figures out who he is and she's going to call the police. And Saul tries his best to intimidate this woman. And it even had me going for a little bit because I'm like, he's up against, he's up in a corner right now. He's got the phone cord in his hand and he's tying it up like he's oh, making yeah. a, yeah. you know, like a garage or whatever. Like he's going to choke her. And, but like, we know that's not him. Like he doesn't murder people to, you know, he talks his way out of problems, but this is a problem he's not going to be able to talk his way out of. And, in a very redeem, almost a Kim esque redeemable moment for him, you know, cause she's going to press the life alert button and he gets it away from her and he's holding it in his hands. And then there's just this moment where this sweet old lady is just like, I trusted you. And for whatever reason in Jimmy McGill's mind, he, I don't know if it's flashbacks to everything that's happened or everything he's done or whatever, but he decides to let go of the life alert thing and let her push the button. And she's, you know, like there's a guy here. It's Saul Goodman or whatever. And they're like, okay, we're going to send the police. And he bolts. And that's the end of the episode. And yeah, that was tremendous. An excellent ending. Glenn, I too will give this a five. Um, I don't know if there's much else to add though. Uh, yeah, I mean, my my favorite, my actually my favorite, and I thought was the toughest scene was um, her going back to the courthouse. Mm-hmm. You know, they show the booth. It's automated now. Yep. She goes in there. She sees someone helping a client the same way she would have. And to me, that's yep. like, man, she really was doing a lot of good. Yeah. And it all was thrown away. You know, yep. like that to me was like the, the toughest part of just like, mm-hmm. damn. Yeah. You know, she was one of the good ones. Hundred percent. I mean, the the thing is, Jimmy was 
like, I mean, he wasn't a good one like how Kim was a good one, but his potential to be that was always there. Yeah. And well, he's helping actual scumbags. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or she's helping, for the yes. most part, people who just got a bad break or, mm-hmm. you know, need well, I mean, help in certain ways. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that we kind of recognize from the start with this show is that his potential to be a good person is yeah. is there, but he's just really good at, uh, you know, Being convincing shitty. people. Yeah. He's just really good at <laughs> convincing people to, you know, and obviously he puts in just as much, if not more work than would be required to do the good thing. It's just, yeah. it doesn't make him feel the same way as the bad thing does. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just a, a great show. So now I guess we can speculate with only one episode left. Uh, we can sort of speculate. I feel like there is a very, solid argument to be made for just taking the Occam's razor route with, with this show. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly how it winds up, but I feel like the most, uh, I feel like the most obvious result is both of them end up going to jail. I think that's the most likely, um, I thought for a minute, maybe there's a result where, um, maybe Kim doesn't go, but if Saul, like Saul's one of the remaining witnesses to all of this, if he does go to jail, um, you know, it would prove that, you know, he's still around, he's still alive, he still exists and can corroborate her story, which would also implicate her. Yeah, but he could also be the one that saves her ass too. He could say like, no, it was all me. It wasn't, she had nothing to do with it. That's why I wanted her to go mm-hmm. to Gus's house because, you know, I was trying to keep her safe, which she was, you know, but that could happen too. Yeah. I can you know, see I, that. I could see that being like his quote unquote, redemption if there's any moment. chance of redemption for him. Yeah. yeah is, that's as close as we're going to get something like that. Cause it would, to me, it feels weird if he dies like that. Just yeah, doesn't can't do that. Seem, that doesn't seem like a satisfactory ending to this. Yeah, Like where it did for Walter, because mm-hmm. you know, uh, he deserved it. <laughs> But, yeah, um, I don't know if like death is quite the thing for for Jimmy. Um, um, no, I think yeah. he needs the thing to happen to him that he's so uh, strategically avoided all this time. Um, it needs to be the thing that finally catches up to him. I think a hundred percent. That makes the most sense to me. Uh, it now. Do you think seems... we get another cameo? Maybe. As we got Jesse in this one, it to me seems odd if we didn't get get like Walter a Walt again. one, yeah, because that they have to film this super early in the season because of Aaron Paul's schedule. So yeah, to me it's weird that um, if they're accommodating around him, that Brian Cranston wouldn't be in it a lot. But yeah, hundred percent, and I feel like that would make some sense. Um, I feel like that would work. I don't know where we would place him, but I mean they. Uh, you know, I think we could, I mean, uh, there's still the possibility of like seeing the last encounter between Saul and Walt before everything went wrong or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's still that opportunity. So I think we could maybe, yeah, I think we could maybe see that, uh, especially if the episode is them getting their comeuppance or if it's, you know, Jimmy taking the fall yeah. for Kim so she can, you know, just live a life or whatever. 
Kind of um, like what Walter did for Jesse at the end, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if they're going to kind of, you know, just to me, it seems like there's parallels to this that, that mm-hmm. kind of work. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Get George Lucas in on this. Uh, maybe he's an executive <laughs> producer uh, <laughs> waiting for the Vince Gilligan, you know, issue. Where he's like, well, I, I watched the uh, the behind the scenes documentary on the Phantom Menace. And I was really inspired when George Lucas is like Star Wars is supposed to be like poetry. Uh, each, you know, stands is supposed to rhyme with the, the last one or whatever. Um I mean, it would all that would that would all make sense. I, it feels like now, Jimmy and Kim get back together and get to live happily ever after. Glenn, that feels like uh, the longest of all long shots. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> no, I don't think that's happening either. Um, she seems pretty disgusted with him. Yeah, I mean, I don't, mm, I don't know if she's disgusted. Like that phone call that they had. Like he was, you know, he was trying to get her to be mad at him. Yeah. Like, you know, he was bragging about how he still hasn't been caught yet. And he's like, there's no witnesses left. He's like, Fring's gone. Mike's gone. Um, you know, like all these people are. Uh, Lalo's supposedly dead. Lalo's <laughs> supposedly dead. Um, like they're all, they're all gone. And, um, you know, she's just deathly silent the whole time. And I don't think it's because she hates him. I think it's because she still loves him. I think that was the whole reason they went out of their way to be like, you know, you know, should I, should I try this miracle whip on my sandwich? So they could set up this line where she's just casually like, I'm having tuna fish sandwich. I use miracle whip instead of, mayonnaise well, or whatever i um, was surprised that because they are talking about drugs at their lunch i was really waiting for them to start talking about meth and right? heisen i was really surprised i mean i get i i could see where they're like okay that's too obvious we can't do that guys yeah like, I, like kim's head perks up or something that, like that's hacky yeah. writing so yeah. i i'm glad they didn't but i was a little surprised as they, they were did going raise on an about. excellent question about why ecstasy users constantly have pacifiers in their mouths because i didn't know the answer to that. <laughs> if i saw a teenager go to the store buy a pacifier <laughs> i'd call the cops away. yeah <laughs> <laughs> typical karen uh conversation oh, stuff gee, there high yeah. level karen and then like it just all the the women that she was with mm-hmm. at the beginning, like they can give two shits about her. Nope. Yeah, she's just trying to cater to this boring guy. Like um, I've never. I mean, it was comical. Like they needed yeah. to. I guess they're like, we really need to hammer home. I've never seen a more boring human, and I'm a boring human. And th- this guy was a plank of wood, Glenn. Uh, like, holy cow. Uh, there was nothing to this human being at all. He didn't even seem like a human being. Um, it was like an alien who's like seen a human for 10 seconds trying to figure out like what a human acts and behaves like. It was really bizarre behavior. Yeah, he's probably one of those guys that wears Oakley's, but when he doesn't like (laughs) wear him properly, he has them backwards to where the back side of his. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Guy Fieri move. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, I fear you get the pass. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, anybody who takes you to Flavortown uh, gets a gets a little bit of a pass. Uh, but yeah, I they like they really went out of their way to be like her life is boring and dull and it's not fun anymore. 
and I feel like it's the not so much that it's boring and dull. It's miserable. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like we don't. She doesn't talking say about it. the amazing race. Yeah. And she's doing a puzzle. Yeah, because it's mean, more entertaining than sitting next to her. I'm guessing just boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't live there. He gives yeah. her a kiss and then leaves. Um, you know. But yeah, it's uh, it's bizarre. But they, I think they really want to point out like she's not happy where she is and just hearing his voice like all she can really muster to say to him is uh i'm happy you're still alive i think or something along those lines and clearly she's still like madly in love with this guy sings happy birthday yep yep uh like clearly she just wants to be with this guy still and no, she can't. And, uh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he got me an exercise bike. For <laughs> what a dick, right? That one <laughs> yeah, what a husband dick. or whatever so to go with Ben's theme of, am I the asshole today? That guy <laughs> He's is the definitely the asshole. 100%. Uh, but yeah, definitely fives all around for this episode. Okay, and then uh, there's just there's just one left, Glenn. Hard to believe. Yeah, it's crazy, true. right? It's it is crazy. But what an amazing journey! Uh, this is yeah. definitely one of the best shows, top to bottom, I've ever watched. I really uh, just I really just don't know how it ends. That's no. like, you know, just the way it ended this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it I really wonder- anything really could happen. I. I mean, they're not known for going off the rails and doing something crazy, but uh, because it does feel like the most logical answer is probably the answer here. So it's either like one or both going to jail. I don't know. I'm I'm now on team like he goes to jail, but he goes to bat for Kim so she can live a normal life as like, um, you know, and I'm sorry and uh, redemption. Although, although like the whole thing was like, she was clearly like not living a great life. Like wow. she wasn't happy in the life that she's living. So, you know, he's saving her from that, uh, or saving her for that. I don't know. Um, we, we shall see though, when we get there, I guess, I guess we have to, Yeah, end well, I mean, it's not like they have co-op prisons, so it's not like they can take <laughs> no. a prison together. And- no, um, they do not. Unfortunately. Um, but I'm excited to find out what happens and uh, you can find out along with, well, I mean, everybody will know by the next podcast, the episode will be out and we'll all know by then, but you can hear us discuss it next time. But in the meantime, everybody head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of this show. Uh, start, start binging the new season. Actually, I don't know where you can watch. I presume you can watch it on AMC plus or whatever yeah um, or you could just vpn into uh the uk and and watch it on netflix. oh on netflix yep uh so go ahead and follow along there as well but yeah uh over to cinemageekly.com where we have the archives for this show uh of course as a listener supported podcast and there are a couple of ways you can help out there we have our patreon patreon.com slash cinemageekly we have the merch store geeklymerch.com the links for both are in the show notes for this episode and of course you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify and audible just search for better talk Saul, hit subscribe and uh, that way you can join us next time 
Ooh, to hear us talk about Better Call Saul Season 6, the series finale of Better Call Saul. It's called Saul Gone. Back to the wall, stick it to the man, justice for all.